Good to see such a full house, you know, January 1st. I know it's just one service this morning, but good to see you here. Beautiful day outside, right? I mean, who would have thought January 1st, and it's, you know, going to get up into maybe mid, maybe high 50s this afternoon, I'm told. Um, you know, good afternoon for a walk on a Sunday. But uh, happy new year and good to see you. Uh, thanks for coming in. It feels good to worship God together on day one of 2023. So, yeah, amen to that. Um, and uh, there are a lot of kids in the room right now. I know we don't have awesome adventure. And uh, so it's good to have the kids and uh, want to commend the families. Thanks for, for coming uh, when you could have slept in or you could have just stayed home and uh, kept them in the pajamas there or, or what have you. But here you are and just want to say well done to, to all of the, the moms and dads and that you brought the kids along uh, right here into the sanctuary this morning. Because of that, uh, this morning's sermon, uh, it, it's going to look a little different. Um, th there's just going to be, a, a, at least for me, more pictures and more stories kind of along the way. We're going to try to uh, move it along here uh, maybe a little bit more quickly this morning than usual, again, at least for me. And, uh, and, and, and so we'll see how that goes. Um, I want to draw your attention to something. If you've got the notes in your hand, a little half sheet, uh, go ahead and take a look at that. And as we come together with all the members of our family, no matter who is in the room, when we come together for this occasion, always the most important thing is to come before the living God of the universe, okay? And the best way to do that, he says, and we believe, is through his word. And so please understand that even though there's going to be a lot of stories and pictures this morning, um, it is word of God that we are most interested in, okay? And you'll see from our text, you can go ahead and turn there now, in Hebrews 13, it's going to be Hebrews 13, verses 1 to 8, and we're going to see seven kind of, what I'm calling quick reminders, just good things to have uh, kind of mentally handy as we start out the new year, but you're going to see that in these eight verses, there are seven ideas, uh, people groups, really. And the last one is not a people group. It is a man, Jesus Christ, the man himself. And so we're going to look in verse eight at him for just a moment uh, at the end. But uh, you, you'll see that there are categories of people. Then there's the verse listed. And then there's kind of the essence of the verse uh, that will flow after that in each of the seven points. So just take a look at that and know that, uh, especially for the adults this morning, you're going to find the scripture there and as we read it along the way, okay? So let's go ahead. We're going to start with Hebrews 13, and it's going to be up on the screen as well. And this is Hebrews 13, 1 to 8. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. 
Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's a strong text, and there's a lot in it. Okay, so back up to verse one. It says, let brotherly love continue. But I've got to share something here real quick. Um, I was reading somewhere, uh, and this was, I remember, maybe it was a female news anchor in, in Philadelphia was sharing this story uh, about the five rudest, meanest cities in America, okay? And number five, I'm going to give you a list from, from five back up to one. Number five, Boston, <laughs> okay? I've spent some time in Boston. I like Boston. Number four, Las Vegas. Okay, I've never been to Vegas. Um, yeah, you're kind of thankful for that. Um, number three, New York City. Maybe no surprise there. Number two, and this is out of left field, Memphis, Tennessee. Like, where did that even come from? Number one, and you guessed it, what? Philadelphia. And, and whoever was, <laughs> amen to <laughs> The rudest meeting, and, and whoever was writing or speaking, I forget what it was, um, she was like, you know what? We are who we are, and we are proud. We are no holds barred, we are in your face, and we are straight shooters here in Philadelphia, okay? Brotherly love. It says, let brotherly love continue. Let it just continue to unfold, not unravel, but unfold. Let it continue. Now, I have a, I have a niece um, who's studying at a Big Ten university, uh, and it's not Penn State, um, but, but, but it's not Ohio State either, okay? <laughs> so, so she's safe. I'm not going to tell you where she studies, but she's studying at a Big Ten university. She's studying, uh, it's like veter veterinary science or um, animal behavior, something or other. And I want to introduce you to the two patients that she was responsible for this past summer in her internship. And so we're going to go ahead and have some pictures up. This is the first picture. Now, isn't that pretty cool, huh? So that little guy on the left, his name is Titan, okay? And he is a lion. And that little guy on the right, his name is Magic, and he's a leopard. And he has some pretty cool coloring because his mom was what they call a black leopard or a black panther. You've, you've maybe some of you have seen the movie The Black Panther. Um, so that's Titan and Magic, and they are brothers. So let's show the next picture. And this is Titan, and Titan is getting a little bit bigger, okay? And that's, that's what happens to lion, or lions. And he has written a letter to uh, Santa. And I, I did my best. Titan needs to work on his handwriting skills because I was trying to read his handwriting 
And, um, and it, the gist of it is this. He says, dear Santa, uh, what I really want for Christmas are some streamers so that me and my brother, Magic, can have a lot of fun on Christmas Day playing together, okay? So that's what Titan is wishing for from, from Santa. And then show the third picture, please. And he, lo and behold, they got it. The streamers, and there they are playing together, Titan and Magic. And I just wanted to say, let brotherly love continue, right? Isn't that a good example of, of brotherly love? So there they go, and thanks for showing those pictures. All right. Let's have Galatians 6.10 up. And go ahead and read this. I'm going to read it with you. So then it says, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. When it's talking about brotherly and sisterly love, in this first verse, it's talking about the love that we, we in the room, those of us who are in Christ, who have begun that relationship with him, have for one another. And again and again and again, in the word of God, we're called to exercise that. So... Brotherly, sisterly love, 2023. Let's make sure that we continue to just let that, let that, let that flow. Verse two says this, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. We had the coolest thing happen. Uh, this was many years ago, probably about, I wanna say 20, 21 years ago. And I had a group of students, we're in upstate New York. We had just finished hiking in the High Peaks region. It was about this time of year, maybe late November into December, but it was getting cold in that region. And we had been uh, on the trail all day. And we're now back in the van. We're headed back home, about a two-hour drive. And we were hungry. We hadn't eaten a whole lot that day. And uh, so we decided to swing into McDonald's. It was the McDonald's. Uh, right there at the exit off the North Way in Warrensburg, New York. Okay, if you've ever been to that McDonald's. And we were there, and, uh, and, and so we came in, we ordered our food, and we hadn't had our lesson yet for the day. We had been kind of slated to talk about the last two chapters of Revelation, last two chapters in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, that are all about heaven. Okay, and so we're going to talk about heaven, and we thought, you know, we don't have to make it back real quick, back to uh, back home, and so let's just kind of sit back here. Let's get all of our food together, uh, and we'll eat, and, and we'll just kind of go back and forth, a little bit like we do in men's Bible study, a little bit of back and forth, talk about heaven, talk through these two chapters, and we had begun to do that, and just as I'm kind of opening up to the text, and I'm kind of standing there at the back of McDonald's, again, about 8 o'clock at night, so there's no one else around. And the manager's like, yeah, that's, that's fine, go ahead. This guy walks around the corner, and he kind of sits down back in the corner, um, you know, behind my, my students there, and he just kind of nods and he kind of smiles, and I said, hey, you know, good to have you. You know, we're just talking about Book of Revelation and he's like, I know, you know, it's all right, good. Well, pl 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 please, you know, feel free to join us. And so we talked for about an hour. At the end of that talk, um, you know, we get up, we're, we're starting to put our layers back on, we have to go back outside of the vans. There's about 20 of us in there. 
about 10 men, 10 men, 10 women. And we get up, and I see this guy stand up, and I see him walk around uh, the, the front um, and, and kind of disappear from, from my vision uh, because he was back up to where the counters were. And I said to a few of the women, hey, go grab that guy uh, because I'd just like to say hi to him and, and maybe get to know him a little bit. And they walked around, and then they come back and they said, it's not there. Like, what, what guy? <laughs> And I said, well, check with the manager. Maybe, he was, maybe he's an employee, and he walked back into the, um, you know, back behind the counter. And, and we did. The manager comes out. She comes out and says to me, um, who are you looking for? And I said, well, the guy that was sitting here the whole time for an hour with us. And she's like, you know, I stuck my head around because we're having to get ready to clean up the restaurant closed for the night. There was no guy there, she says. And there was no door on that side of the restaurant where the guy could have gotten out. And I looked at these two women, young, you know, they were probably in their mid-20s, and, and I said, uh, you know, I'm thinking that that was an angel. <laughs> they started crying. They started crying. You know, I remember the one kind of, they were kind of shoulder to shoulder. One turned and grabbed the arm of the other one. They started crying. Awesome. Sometimes we entertain angels unaware. The Bible says that, right? We just read it. Pretty cool. So practice hospitality toward people you don't know too, because you never know. But practice hospitality toward people you don't know also, how to do that? I think first off, pray. Pray for opportunity. I remember one time, um, I was actually kind of in that same region. It's by myself. Uh, it was a cold time of year. I'm, I'm driving back home. It's raining. And, um, and I was headed up the north way. And over the overpass, I see um, this guy and he wasn't well-dressed for the rain. He had like on a flannel shirt like I have. And, and, and he's just walking across and on his shoulders, he had a, what I assume had to have been his, his little baby girl. And I remember that she had on a pink coat. And like I shot under that overpass and my heart just went out to them. And I'm like, I, you know, th th there was no off-ramp there. So I, I'm not able to get off or anything like that. But I just thought, I was overwhelmed with this sense of pray for that guy and for that girl. I've never seen them since. I have remembered them always. And hopefully, I pray for them every now and then. And I'm hoping that, I don't know, maybe in 100 years, maybe in 1,000 years in heaven, guy comes up to me and says, hey, you know what? Thanks for praying for me. And by the way, here's, here's my daughter. <laughs> I pray, pray for that. Pray, pray, pray for opportunity. And, and just that the Lord would, would open our eyes so that we see um, those that we don't know and, and that our heart goes out toward them, okay? Uh, another thing I wanted to share, greet people. I don't want to give a lesson on how to greet people, um, you know, it occurred to me in my neighborhood, uh, and, and sometimes when I'm out and about, I'm driving out, and uh, women are, it just seems to me that women are so much better at this, you, you know, than guys are, that, that when I drive by, 
um, and maybe I'll, I'll toot my horn or something like that, or, you know, they're looking, they're looking to see who it is, or they've looked and they've seen who it is. They'll, they'll turn around and they'll make eye contact, and, you know, sometimes I'll get down like this, and they'll kind of, you know, wave like that. They'll smile. You know, God bless women for smiling, <laughs> you know? But, but, but I love how women say, Hi, guys, it's like, you know, this is the best I usually get from guys. You know, as I drive by, they don't even turn around, you know? And, and, and that guys, um, you know, if, if, if there's the need to be really tough or cool, you know, this is how they say hi. Like, like did you see that? Did you see how I just said hi? Like just kind of a, you know, I'm going to exaggerate how I... That's how they say Hi. Say, all right, you know, so my brothers, you know, maybe work a little bit on greeting people, you know, to make yourself a little bit more approachable. Maybe this afternoon on that walk I was talking about to get out in the neighborhood with you, engage some folks, some folks that you do not know yet would be such a good thing, a God-honoring thing. And then develop a heart. Just ask Ask God for his heart. And I want us to go ahead and read. We're going to have this up on the screen. Deuteronomy 10, and this is verses 18 and 19. This is Deuteronomy 10 and verses 18 and 19, and I think we have that. Yay. And it says this about God. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. Have you seen this commercial, by the way? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I forget the name of the the organization that's running the commercials now, but I've seen it uh, in in a few of the bowl games yesterday where, um, you you know, they, they, they show you a family that looks Hispanic and then they start to talk to you about this family having to run away. And they're showing you all these pictures that are current day pictures and that a ruler wanted to go ahead and send uh, an army into their region and, and, and to persecute and to harm some of them. And so they're on the road and it's a very hard road and they're hungry, but they're still on the road and all they want to do is go home. And then it wraps up by saying, they didn't want to have to leave Bethlehem. And then it says, Jesus was a refugee. It's a very powerful commercial. Anyway, the heart of God for the sojourner, for the stranger, for the alien. And Father, give, give that to us. Verse three, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Remember the imprisoned and remember, remember the persecuted as though with them. But how do we go about that? Um, you know, I was thinking about this, and it's a little tough to invite everyone to visit a jail. And yet I go back to, and I'm going to go ahead and read this. I go back. I go back to Matthew 20, 
5, where Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, granted, this text is talking about those of us who are being persecuted and imprisoned because of our faith. I still think it would be such a good value. You would find it valuable if you have never done this to at least visit, visit at time, you know, for a time or two a prison. You know, I know at this church that uh, Pastor Ian, I think he still offers Alpha in the prison on a, you know, along about 1230 on a Friday afternoon weekly, the course of the year. I think he does that maybe once or twice in a year. I know that uh, my friend Margaret Gray has for many years reached out uh, and, and gone into, uh, whether it's Cumberland County Prison or uh, perhaps Camp Hill, I'm not sure, okay? There's something about even the opportunity to hear uh, the slamming of the uh, cell blocks. You know, when you, when, when you see the... Um, when you're in a jail and you see the bars separating you from the inmates and those gates are open and they're rammed shut kind of a thing, it, it, it sends something into you that is of great value as you look to care for those Jesus called us to care for. Okay? So perhaps visitation is something to think about. Okay? Pray. There's another picture that I wanted to... Uh, show. Let's go ahead and show that. Yeah. They just snapped that with my phone yesterday. It's most recent issue of Voice of the Martyrs. That is a church in Cuba. And those are brothers and sisters. You see some kids there right in the middle in the last row. Um, but you can see where they're worshiping that someone has come along. The authorities, I'm, I'm told, have come along and destroyed all the walls of their church. I don't know how the the roof is still standing, but there they are and they're still worshiping, okay? That's in Cuba, like maybe close to the same time zone as us. And I'm guessing that they are there right now. And th that's the scene. And so with an organization like Voice of the Martyrs dedicated to getting out and around the world in those places where our brothers and sisters are most severely persecuted, do we pray for their efforts and do we pray for them? So we want to be people of prayer. Thanks for that picture. We want to be people of prayer that way. And then it's such an interesting phrase here when it says, since you also are in the body. Now, there are some scholars who are going to say about that phrase that it could mean. There are some, a handful, who say it could mean that you are in the body being the, the, the church universal you know, church with a capital C, all those men and women, boys and girls who are uh, in Christ, and that since you are in that body, since you're in the church, you should do these things. You should remember those who are persecuted in prison. But more often than not, the general consensus seems to be just that, hey, if you're not invalid, if you are uh, if you've got a beating heart and life requires to you to be out and about, to live your life, 
to provide for your family, to, um, to just go along and be a, a, a participant in the world, okay, and just, just kind of the daily grind, that that's what this is talking about. Hey, if, if you've got a body and a beating heart and you're out there, then you qualify to be the kind of person who needs to be mindful of this kind of person who's persecuted, this kind of person who is perhaps even imprisoned. Just go ahead and be in the real world. Go ahead, let's all of us go ahead and be. Let's not shy away. Let's not try to dart into CVS as fast as we can and you know, hope no one sees us and hope we don't run into anybody and they get what we need and be gone. Whether we're at the gym, we're running errands, uh, we happen to be in the mall, out at a restaurant, get to know the waiter, get to know the waitress a little bit, go back to the same one again and again, ask them, hey, there's not a whole lot of people in your section just yet, how are you doing? Can I be praying for you? What do you want me to pray for you for? You know, that kind of thing. Let's remember. Verse four. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So honor marriage. Honor marriage and honor marriage by keeping it pure. How? Or you know, by what means? Well, it's three observations here real quick on this one. Um, it says not just husbands and wives. It doesn't say husband. Let it be honored by all. So I want to say by all men and women, let it be honored. That lets me know that I need to, whether or not I'm married, be thinking about marriage in the right way. I need to be speaking about marriage in the right way. And when I say the right way, I mean the biblical way. That's what I want to be about. So it includes everyone. It does not matter if you are married or not. It does not matter if you're married yet or not. Let it be honored by all. It also says to honor the bed, not just the institution. It is not enough for me as a pastor at this church, for instance, to say that I uh, can sign off on um, Trent Thompson's or our elders' uh, position paper on marriage or sexuality or something to that effect. It is not enough that I agree philosophically with the institution of marriage. I want to be practicing honor in my own marriage, and, and all of us need to do the same, okay? Let's keep that in mind. Honor the bed, not just the institute. By the, by the way, um, our next Enriched Seminar, this is a good time to plug this thing. Um, next Enriched Seminar, February 11th, 
Um, and we're going to be talking about this, issues of marriage bed and institution and so forth. You know, I want to be a little careful here with young years. Um, but it was a year ago, and we did a paper, uh, hard, hard copy survey uh, to, I don't know, 60, 70 couples that were in the room then for that particular seminar. And uh, if we talk about this topic, will you come back to a couple? They said yes. And so we're going to kind of hold you to your word, <laughs> expect you to show up on February 11 uh, to talk about it. And uh, it's going to be a good thing, all right? So please turn out for that. Honor the bed, not just the institution. Third and final thing for verse four here. Just the point that God will judge, that he will judge. And the verse says, not just adultery, but sexual immorality. Please, let's understand in 2023 America, that sexual immorality can include so much more than adultery. Let's please understand that. And that God has his eye on that. That's not me up here railing. The text says that God has his eye on that and that he takes that seriously. And so please, when we come, when we come to understand issues of sexuality and sexual morality and immorality, uh, these sorts of things, adultery, let's please understand that we're called to honor marriage and to have that be such uh, a more comprehensive thing than maybe we had thought, okay? Let's honor our marriage. Verse five and six, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Okay, so here, here's something that makes me feel content. I was going to show you that. I was going to, I'm not even going to tell you what I was going to show you. Uh, but look, go ahead and, and show, uh, yeah, I, I love flowers. And, and, and I want to go ahead and, my wife tells me that I need to open up with you all and be more vulnerable. And, and, and so this is, this is one of those things um, that I just love. And this is, uh, this is a hydrangea lace cap variety uh, in my own backyard. And uh, I took that just looking down from my porch and snapped that. Don't you love the color of violet there? Yeah, okay, next picture. That's my favorite flower, morning glory. And there are all kinds of varieties of morning glory. I love the deep purple. I mean, there's something, it's so delicate and the texture is so perfectly soft, uh, and the colors are so rich. Um, and, and that's not even the traditional sky blue morning glory. Okay, next picture. That, that is an orange Cosmo, okay? And if you get orange Cosmo, I've got a few of these seeds that I, I, I keep in a jar all winter long and then just scatter them in certain beds in my backyard. They're, they're pretty hardy, but orange Cosmo, I love I just love flowers, okay? So, and, and when I'm out in my yard and I'm doing yard work and I'm tending to um, my, my garden, uh, it, it gives me a great feel, feeling of contentment, okay? So I am content in that moment. Um, I, I was... Uh, I, was, I, was, I had been riding with some of my police officers in downtown Harrisburg, and it was end of shift, and uh, there were four of us 
piled into uh, one of the marked Tahoes. And you just need to know that the three guys that I'm with, I'm in the passenger seat. The guy next to me is 6'6", 260, and arms like tree trunks, okay? And the guys in the back seat, um, almost as big. Um, one, one of the guys played defensive end for Penn State football. These are big guys, okay? Tough guys, alpha dog types. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and... You know, I'm just, I'm kind of curious. And I asked them a question. What do you guys do for self-care? And the guy next to me, I mean, before I finished the, the, the question, he, he just says, dude, pedicure. <laughs> and, and immediately, as soon as he says, dude, pedicure, the guy behind him says, pedicure. And the guy behind me says, dude. It was like, you know, they were a comedy routine immediately, all three of them. I was like, you are so full of it. And they start immediately, you know, they're talking about all the different uh, nails places where they go and where their favorite spot is. And, you know, I don't even need to bring my girlfriend along. You know, I'll just go on my own. It's all right. I, I, I guess. And they're like, dude, what? <laughs> and, and they're like, when when she takes that hot, wet towel and lays it over your ankle and just says, now just sit there for about six minutes, it is heaven. <laughs> I am so content. I'm like, all right, so Kim and I went home, or I, I went home, I, I told Kim, and, and Kim said, well, I'll, I'll take you and we'll get you a pedicure. And we did. <laughs> and she was right. I'm just telling you. And so much so, in fact, I'm going to tell you, here's, here's the second part of this story, that, uh, you know, the church staff here, we had a party uh, not too long ago, and uh, we were playing a game, and the question got asked, if you've ever had a pedicure, stand up and move to the back of the room. Every woman on staff got up and walked to the back of the room, and me. <laughs> And not a single, and I'm telling you, I felt, I had guys looking at me, <laughs> like, Nate, really? I'm like, yeah, you don't know. I mean, when she lays that hot towel on your ankle. <laughs> so, so the verse is talking about contentment, content with what you have. Those guys are pretty silly. My, some of my officers, they're pretty silly, but they were serious. And you got to believe them. And it was, it was, I don't know that I'll go back soon, but it was, it was worth the trip. <laughs> All right. It says four things in these two verses, verses five and six. One, free from love of money. I'll read you something here. This is from 1 Timothy 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. That's 1 Timothy 6. Back into our verses here. Keep your life free from love of money. Let me say keep it free from money. Keep it free from love of money and be content with what you have. 
for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, right? Remember that from the life of Jacob in Genesis 28, 15? Behold, I am with you and I will keep you in all places wherever you go. It's okay to say if you've got to be so strict in Genesis 28, 15, well, that was a promise made to Jacob, not to me. Well, you know what? In Hebrews 13, it just got made to you. Take that from God as a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is what the author of Hebrews wants us to remember. So keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You go back and memorize all of Psalm 46, or at least Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's true, and we know that to be true. And it says, I will not fear that there's a kind of confidence. You know, I was reminded of uh, Proverbs 28.1, such a cool verse, especially, I think, in the old King James Version. It says this, uh, the wicked flee though none pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Don't you love that verse? I love that verse. Have you ever experienced just the feeling of having to do the right thing? And you just, you're scared to death, but you do the right thing. And as you're doing the right thing, it's like the Holy Spirit of God just infuses this, this feeling of, what can man do to me? I am bulletproof. I, I, hope, I hope you experience that. I, I pray that we would each know what that is like. Given an opportunity to do the right thing when it's very hard to do the right thing, to know going into your attempt to do it that you cannot do it on your own and then to follow through in the strength of God as the Holy Spirit is present in you and in the situation, and then just to come away from that with a sense of command. I just feel like I've got new fire in my veins, kind of a command. All right. Verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Uh, you know, it makes me a little self-conscious to, to read that. Um, yeah. But which leaders, or, or what, what, what is it about a leader? What, what, what are the... What are the distinctions of a leader that is, in a sense, worth following, that you should follow? I want to at least underscore the Word of God and what is called in the Word of God the whole counsel of the Word of God, that you want to follow and I want to follow only those leaders, those teachers, whether they're on our pastoral staff, fellowship group leaders, um, you know, all of our different ministries as, as we're teaching and so forth. 
Um, we want to follow those who are committed to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth of the word of God, okay? Because if, if I have a leader who is committed to some of the truth, I'm not interested. If I have a leader that I is, is only wanting to tell me the pieces of the Bible, the pieces of the truth that are going to be palatable for me in my flesh, I'm not interested in that leader. I want a leader who is going to bring the whole word of God, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. That's what I want. And let me say this also, just one other thing about this, this verse 7. Is, is just this, that um, when, when you consider your leaders, um, d- don't get wrapped up in considering the things that have happened to them. Don't get wrapped up in superstition. Oh, that person really got slammed. I guess they did something bad. God got them. No, th- don't go down that road. When you consider your leaders, consider how it is they respond to the things that come their way. That's what you want to consider, okay? Don't consider what happens to them. Consider how they respond to the things that happen to them. And if it helps, remember Job, right? It was his three friends. We all know, you know, those guys were not highly commended because they came back with an attitude of, oh, look at all the bad stuff that's happened to Job. You know, he must have really gone off the rails. It was the friends who said that. But meanwhile, it was Job responding by not charging God with wrongdoing, who was really worthy of imitation and the one at the end of the book God praises. Respond or response. That's, that's what we what we want to consider. How are you responding as a leader to the things that come your way in life? That's what's worthy to be considered. And then that's the response that should get imitated. I want to respond that way in trial, the way I saw that leader or that teacher respond in trial. That's what I want. Okay, final verse, verse eight, Jesus Christ. And let me just say this. He alone in the universe is the only one who can say and of whom it can be said, he is the same yesterday, today, forever. And not just in his nature, but in his promises, in his purposes, he is the same, he is unchangeable. Use kind of a big word, I guess, uh, theological word, he is immutable unchangeable. He is the same. That makes him perfectly reliable. You know, one last picture, and then we're done. So this is a picture that my daughter took uh, because she and her husband, my son-in-law, Aaron, uh, so Aaron and Anna, um, they live in Australia and they went to New Zealand. In Australia, they go to New Zealand the way that we go to like the Bahamas. It's so much more majestic, I think, than the Bahamas. They're so blessed. But she was in New Zealand, and this was probably, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. 
And, uh, and she took this picture of the mountain range. And this is the same range that you're going to see in, if you've watched the Lord of the Rings movies, this is where they film Lord of the Rings. Um, and so you've got Gandalf and the Fellowship of the Ring, and they're up along the ridge line somewhere in there, whatever. Um, but I want you to see how majestic that is and how impregnable, how uh, immovable that that is, okay? And then hear this verse from Isaiah 54.10 as to the unchangeableness of God, the unchangeableness that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hear this in Isaiah 54.10. It says this, for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. The same Jesus who fed the 5,000 and of whom it says in the book of Mark, when he's feeding the five, that I have compassion on them. I have compassion on these 5,000 people. The same Jesus of whom it says in Mark chapter one, that he had compassion on the leper who came to him and said, I, I, I know that you're able to heal me, but are you willing to heal me? It says Jesus had compassion on him. The same Jesus 2000 years ago who said that, whether it's to the crowd or the individual, the same Jesus of whom it said, Isaiah 54, 10, for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake. Better chance of that being lopped off, thrown into the sea. The compassion of Christ is not changing. The loving kindness of God counted on forever. So be encouraged by that. Let's pray. Father, just uh, when we come before you and we want to acknowledge our gratitude for the unchangeableness of Jesus, we pray for the strength of your Holy Spirit to just now engage these reminders in this new year. We want to be people who let the brotherly and sisterly love continue to flow in our community. Just here to one another, those who can't be with us this morning. We want to remember, reach out and practice hospitality with those we don't know also. And that could be a tricky thing in this world, in this American culture. And we're told uh, to be safe and to never do things like that. But Father, I pray that you would put a smile on our face at least. Give us a heart and eyes to see the people around us the way that you see them. Father, help us to remember those who are persecuted and to do that around the world. Pray regularly for them. Was to honor marriage, practice 
kind of marriage that the church and your son, your son Jesus practices with us. He lays his life down for us and we submit to him. Father, help us to be worthy imitators that way. Father, help us to be content that we have to forsake a love of money. Father, when our portfolios continue to plummet, help us to forsake a love of money. You are the one who has said, behold, I am with you and I will keep you. It doesn't matter where you go. So help us to remember that. Strengthen our faith that we would be content. And then, Father, help us to look to our leaders and our teachers and to see the outcome by noting the response of the things that in your sovereignty you have ordained. And, Father, help us to never forget Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us never forget him. In Jesus' name.